This is episode number 22 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell and Anita Lambert. And today we want to discuss the topic of pelvic girdle pain since so many expecting and new moms experience it and are just told this is just a normal part of pregnancy and postpartum times of life. Um, I know I see this a lot in my practice and Jess, I'm curious if you see this a lot of times with your coaching clients. I definitely do. Yes. And I'm really interested to ask you some specific questions on this because I feel like people have misinformation about this topic, uh, either told that they have an unstable pelvis or joints or that this is just how it's going to be for the rest of their pregnancy and it will resolve on its own postpartum. So excited to perhaps bust some myths for some people today and for me too. Mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be good if we start off, what is pelvic girdle pain? Because I think a lot of expecting a new mom's experiencing this pain, it may not be termed this. So if you do end up getting diagnosed with pelvic girdle pain, it can be pain in a number of areas. So it could be the pubic symphysis, which is the front part of the pelvis right in the center. Um, could be your sacral iliac joint. So where your sacrum meets the pelvis basically in the back, the SI joint, either side or both sides, could be in your groin. And it can also go down the thigh or into the hips. So it can be a number of areas. But something key to note here is a lot of these areas can also... Um, if you have pain in these areas, they can actually be referred from the lumbar spine or the low back. So as physiotherapists, that's part of our job in an assessment is to do different tests to decipher what is actually causing this pain. So not making the assumption it's one or the other, because it could be pelvic girdle or it could be lumbar spine. And some of the common symptoms um, you may be experiencing if you're having this pain is pain with walking, Standing on one foot, like putting on your socks, putting on pants, stairs. One of the most common symptoms I hear is turning in bed is really painful. Um, it can even cause kind of that pregnancy waddle. A lot of people talk about, again, end of pregnancy or any point in pregnancy has got to be normal. But actually, it's it's to do with some muscles, and we'll talk about why this pain happens, um, can create that kind of pregnancy waddle. So once we kind of figure out and resolve that pain, you should be able to walk with more ease and it be less painful. And so we just want everyone to know that it is common, but you don't have to have it be considered a normal part of pregnancy or postpartum. Um, so in terms of stats, when, uh, when I've researched this, especially for a recent um, presentation I did with another pelvic physio in town, we did a presentation for the OBs, the midwives, and the GPs. 
And so basically 45% of all pregnant women or 25% of postpartum women uh, suffer from either low back or pelvic girdle pain. And so a lot of the research combines these two. So it's hard to find specific stats just for pelvic girdle, but in general, combining those two issues, it's a pretty decent amount of women that are experiencing that kind of pain. Yeah, that is a high number for sure. And I think what you highlighted there of 25% of all postpartum women suffering from back pain or pelvic girdle pain, that is important for us to know because, again, I think that so many of my clients are told that it will just go away on its own and then they're still suffering postpartum. And they're like, why is this happening? And when will it go away? And sometimes we can just let it go on and on and on and it does not have to be that way at all. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot, I think, goes back to, well, you gave birth, so your body still needs some time. Um but you'll find as we as we talk a little bit more about why this happened or risk factors for why you can have this type of pain um, and what you can do about it, that it, it shouldn't be something that just lingers after birth. And if it does, things can definitely help sooner rather than waiting down the road for things to get better. Absolutely. So I think an important point of why we wanted to cover this too is knowing that it can really affect our function, our physical function. And then what I always talk about with my clients is how deeply intimate that relationship of physical function is with mental and emotional health too, and our quality of life. Are you seeing that correlation with people you treat? I definitely am. And and something we'll talk about is kind of the earlier we can start addressing these issues when symptoms start to creep up, it gives better results to actually start on top of these things earlier rather than waiting till later. So one of the stats is postpartum depression um, symptoms were three times more prevalent in women having lumbopelvic pain than in those without. So you know, this is affecting not just women during pregnancy, but this, if it lingers postpartum, there's other sides to it, not just physical sides. So again, with, I'll kind of bring up throughout um, today's episode, what happened during the presentation that we did, because it was really, I think, eye-opening to hear from the OBs and the midwives and the GPs kind of what their thoughts had been on this type of pain and kind of the feedback and how excited they were to hear this information that was more up to date and things that they could do in their session with you as an expecting or in those first six weeks postpartum, things that they can do within the time they have with you that can drastically make a difference with your um, positive outcome. I think that that is really key to bring up this whole connection with the physical and the mental health. And it's something that I experienced in this pregnancy, the second pregnancy myself, was just more feelings of discomfort and not specifically pelvic girdle pain, but just more discomfort in my body. And I really noticed how that affected my mental and emotional health and not just thinking about it in terms of pregnancy, but then being afraid that it was going to keep persisting into postpartum and knowing that postpartum was going to be uncomfortable too. And when you think about being in pain or achy for months and months or years, that is a lot to handle. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, Jess, if did you end up bringing any of this up to your midwives at all? 
I did. Yeah, we definitely spoke about just the differences that I've been experiencing in my body during this pregnancy. We've talked a lot about my mental and emotional health in this pregnancy as well, too. All things combined leading into it uh, and then going through it. And they uh, they've been great. First step always is they recommend and refer to mental health practitioners. Uh, the conversation of public health physio has only been brought up by me. And that was similar in my first pregnancy, too. It was never, pelvic health physio was never discussed. Mm-hmm. Because I think that was one of the the eye openers for a lot of care providers was, so what we found with the research is one of the two statistical significant predictors for both disability and pain. So whether um, an expecting or new mom is going to continue to feel this, um, or have it affect their daily life as well is basically the belief in improvement. So if a client is already coming to me, having been told this is not going to get better, this is just going to get worse, just deal with it. We have a lot more to unravel to get them towards feeling better um, than those who actually come in having been told like, look, this can get better. Here's a few tips. Um, go see a physio. Like if they've already been giving that information, they get better even that much quicker um so it's interesting those are something that the care providers didn't quite think about before and a lot of them not because they they don't want to share positive information it's they didn't actually think it could get better so after hearing from us what could be done and we created actually a handout for them simple tips they can already have their clients do even those who can't see physio um, and even just telling them, no, like this can get better. Here are some things you can already start trying. That's already going to set their patient up for success. And rather than thinking this is just going to keep going, especially if someone is experiencing this at 10, 15 weeks into pregnancy, like they're not at the end of pregnancy yet. So the earlier we can get on top of this, the better outcome that that person is going to have. Yes. Yes. That is a long way to go to feel like this is just how it's going to be. This is similar to what we were speaking about in the episode with Haley Shevener, which is episode 19, I believe. And her speaking about Antony Lowe, the physio that she saw, giving her confidence and giving her trust in her ability to go back to exercise, get back to movement with pelvic organ prolapse and how drastically it changed her entire life after that. That story is really powerful, and I think that this is exactly what you're speaking about, too. And I know a lot of expecting new moms, um, and anyone kind of wondering, even you know, health professionals are like, well, what would be potentially some risk factors um, that someone may experience this? And so particularly for pregnancy, some of them are, if that person, that expecting mom has previously had low back pain or pelvic girdle pain before, which I definitely see this, that can potentially increase their likelihood of having it during pregnancy. Um, as well as, again, going back to that belief in improvement, if they really don't think if this were to happen to them, it's going to get better. That also can be a risk factor of it kind of lingering. Um, and it's interesting too, there's actually a higher correlation of degree of disability with fear of movement than the severity of pain itself. So that's basically saying the more fear they have in terms of more movement is just going to make disability or like their daily life worse is actually 
higher than the actual pain they're experiencing. So it's just really interesting to see in the research different different factors come out because again you can start screening your patient early on that's what we're telling care providers like even a simple thing of asking them did they have low back pain or pelvic oral pain whether previous pregnancies or if this is their first one before this because then you can already get you know get a feeling of what um what if something potentially could creep up and then you know to follow up with them again let's say at your next appointment so keeping things short and sweet because we totally understand as care providers they don't have a ton of time um but giving this information to them can just really help their patient let's talk about the traditional way of looking at causes of pelvic girdle pain this is something that my clients are often told by their care providers, including some physiotherapists or physical therapists that they might be seeing, they are told that their pelvis or their pelvic joints are unstable and that is why they're having pain. Is there truth to that or what else is going on? So, yeah. So, and I, I hear that a lot of times too, and I'll hear clients actually use those words. And so my practice in terms of treating pelvic girdle pain really changed with finding out about um, a Dutch physiotherapist, Cecile Ross. And she has, she teaches courses and she has other people teach her courses around the world. Um, And so part of the course was talking about language that we use. And so I rarely, I may catch myself because I used to use the word instability or unstable and I just don't anymore. Um, They've looked at language and fear related to language and telling someone their pelvis is unstable is just not helping and really not true. Like our pelvis is actually super stable. Like it would have to be a very severe car accident, you know, something very, very traumatic like that, that would affect the true stability. So I really don't use that word anymore. If anything, I'll use the word support or tension or you know, things are, you know, less tense or more tense, that kind of thing. I really don't use this word anymore because it's, it's just not true, especially in the pelvis. And if we're speaking about pregnancy specifically, we're often told that we have this big surge of relaxin in our systems. And that is why our joints might be too loose and they're causing pain. What is this situation Mm -hmm. all about? Yeah. So, I mean, we do have relaxin. That's very true, very smart of our body because we do need that in our system as we get closer towards giving birth. But really looking at the research, the level of evidence of higher relaxin levels um, being associated with actually pelvic joint laxity is actually low. So that's basically saying even those who have really high relaxin in their joints, it's actually not necessarily affecting their joint laxity so it's just one of those things where that together tells us it's not really true and also if you think about it I mean everyone gets relaxin in their body during pregnancy so that means everyone technically should have pelvic girdle pain and we don't so it's just something to keep in mind um, that yeah it's just not the most up-to-date way of looking at it and as we go through these you'll you'll notice um a lot of these things so let's say relax and relaxin is something when anyone hears about it most expecting moms understand what it is and they understand they can't control their relaxin levels so telling someone that that's the reason why they have pain 
they immediately already realize they don't have control over relaxants, so they don't have control over their pain. So you'll notice the things we talk about that actually relate to pelvic girdle pain are things that the client has control over. A lot of these things women are told, it's actually out of our control, but we see now they're actually not related to the pain. Does that make sense? Yeah, this is yeah, so interesting. I feel like this is yeah. going to be a huge mindset shift in how people think about this. Mm-hmm. I let anyone listening, if you're a health professional, I highly recommend Cecile Ross' course. And we're going to put in the show notes links to her book, to her site. And now her course is actually online as well. Um, so you can access it anywhere in the world. And it just, it changed my practice. Like it's, um, and there she has done research as well. So looking at um, pregnant, uh, one of the studies they did, so they found that more than 90% um, of pregnant people treated with Ross therapy um, were pelvic pain symptom free when questioned a year and a half later. So postpartum. And so that's not that common. Um, and if you think the year said 40% during pregnancy, 25% postpartum, wouldn't that be amazing if we could, you know, solve this issue in pregnancy and then they are just not dealing with it postpartum, or at least for a very short period of time if it does happen after birth. Yeah, that is fascinating. So the next thing that we often hear about pelvic girdle pain is that we need to strengthen, 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 because that is going to help to stabilize the pelvis. Mm -hmm. But sometimes these belts that we might be recommended, SI joint belts or pelvic girdle belts, can often make the pain worse or just not be helpful for people. Yeah, yeah. I definitely used to use or recommend SIJ belts earlier in my practice. And I would always tell clients, if you did try one, because we didn't necessarily sell them at the clinic I was at. But I'm like, if you put it on, it should help your pain right away if it's going to help. And I just found it rarely did that. Um, But even since taking this specific course, I've had maybe two clients ever use it since and it was more well one of them it was before they actually ever came in for physio um and the other one ended up getting it she just wanted to try it and she brought it in stuff she's like it doesn't really make me feel better i don't feel worse but i don't feel better so it was just kind of like an extra additional thing around her waist which when you're pregnant you really don't want extra luggage in that area um so yeah so the, the reason why we talk about this is not to say strengthening won't necessarily be a component, but what we tend to find is actually tension. So tension in the inner thigh muscles and in the glutes, so kind of the bum muscles, um, creating a bit of, I sometimes say an imbalance, but just um, it's pulling on the pelvis a bit differently and then creating tightness in certain areas and that's eliciting pain with certain movements. So basically by those being tense but also weak glutes can be a part of it too so there can be an issue with the glutes but usually we're going to release the glutes before we're strengthening them um also another common thing too is that bum tucked under posture which is common in general but in pregnancy can create tension in the glutes so those different areas plus the pelvic floor i'd say more common than not especially with someone with quite um high pain with pelvic girdle pain usually their pelvic floor is actually really tense it's not that it's weak or um sorry 
it's not that we need to strengthen it. It's that we need to release the tension. And sometimes that in itself allows them to reconnect. There are other people where we have to do some tension release in the glutes and adductors, and then they don't have pelvic floor tension, but their core canister isn't coming on properly with certain movements. So we need to retrain that. So there can be strength involved, but I'd say a lot of time, at least the initial part is a lot of release work, which people are surprised. But then when you think of that, it makes sense that a belt isn't going to make it better because a belt is just adding tightness and tension to that whole area. So basically we're looking at all the muscles that connect into the pelvic girdle, what's, you know, holding things back from moving properly, releasing that. And that often makes a big difference. Uh, the tension in my adductors, this pregnancy has been ridiculous. I, I remember waking up from calf cramps maybe a couple times in my first pregnancy at the end and this time it's adductor cramps at night and it is awful. I am so sore in my left adductors today because I woke up with an adductor cramp maybe three nights ago. It was so bad. What? Well, this, this would be good stuff for you. So it's... um. I mean, I do a lot of, we call it like balancing work. It's a lot of like adductor release work. But even if you picture one of the common postures is cobbler's pose from yoga or like butterfly. Um, but I do like a sequence of using your breath, contracting and relaxing the adductors and glutes, basically in cobbler's pose, in crook line, so bent or lying on your back, knees bent, feet flat, um, and then a bridge. And so we go through this breath cycle with contracting and relaxing and then go back to cobbler's pose. And often the adductors are already lengthened after one round. And then we repeat that. Um, and basically Cecile Ross, she, in her book, she has various ways of balancing around the pelvis. In this particular series, I learned from another physio. So it was kind of a adaptation of what Cecile teaches. Um, but in her book, it's great because it has information both for if you're an expecting or a new mom at home, you, you can't see a physio or someone, these are things you can try. But if you're a health professional or fitness professional, I recommend the book as well because it's very easy to read, but it'll already give you information of what you can try with your clients as well. So yeah, Jess, you need to do that. <laughs> I am on it. I have been... Yeah foam rolling a little bit it's pretty uncomfortable at this point so I like the idea of those stretches because mm -hmm. I think that that's something that's common in the fitness industry too is being told just roll just roll them and then you get to a certain point in pregnancy and you're like this is not happening can't, at all I can't do <laughs> can't do no. well that's what I say so for the glutes I have I usually with my pregnant clients I don't um I don't bother with the foam roller I'll have them use the tennis ball against the wall because they can do that right up until the end. And I used that last time too. So yeah, the foam roller, you get to a point in pregnancy and it's just pretty awkward. And yeah, you may not really be getting any release. So kind of using the tennis ball on the wall, I find you can get into those spots a bit easier. And it's like you're saying about using the tennis ball along the wall. It gives the person a position they're more able to relax into versus trying to hold yourself up awkwardly and then stretch or release or breathe. It's just not possible. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that I thought was so interesting when we were preparing for this episode specifically that you wrote in 
is that people are usually told to keep their knees together, their legs together if they're having pelvic girdle pain, but this actually can perpetuate the issue. And this is rampant in the fitness industry. If we're talking about prenatal and postnatal fitness, we just tell people, well, just do exercises where your legs are bilateral, close together. Don't do unilateral exercises. So this is so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say necessarily go for unilateral from the start. You definitely got to go with what can be comfortable and unilateral probably won't be initially until the underlying issue is resolved. But it's more the idea of like keeping the legs clamped together, even turning in bed. And I'll, I got to make note to put in the show notes um, the way that Cecile Ross, how she talks about turning in bed it's actually with your knees apart and using your glutes to turn you so very opposite even what I learned in school um so yeah the idea of keeping your legs together is just creating more tension in the adductors um not supporting your pelvis the way it needs to so it's not painful usually if you keep your legs together and turn with pelvic girdle pain it's still going to be painful it's actually normal for the symphysis to spread and swell so it is normal in pregnancy it can reach a point where they would consider it a diastasis. So this is 10, 10 millimeters. Um, but even still, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be causing pain. Um, and for that to actually rupture or tear, it would be, again, a very high traumatic car accident, fall, very traumatic, physically traumatic birth. Um, so it's just... For the amount of women who are told that this is torn, for the amount that it likely could be torn, it just doesn't add up. So just to know it's normal for it to spread and swell. Um, That's not necessarily the cause of this pain. And I see it all the time because once we look at all the muscles, again, kind of going back to that, the muscles that attach in um, and resolve the tension or address any imbalances in those issues, then whether there is a space or not, it doesn't end up being that relevant to that person's pain. Um, And again, thinking of that where this space or whatever's going on kind of in the pubic symphysis isn't something an expecting or new mom can control. So again, it's giving them that information of like, well, your body's doing this, you can't fix it. This is what's causing your pain. So that's just the way it is. Whereas now understanding like actually the, it's a lot to do with the muscles and muscles, most people understand that they can change muscles, whether they're tight or they're weak, it doesn't matter. People understand that you can change that. So it already puts up that management or self-management and that hope that things can get better because we can change what muscles do. Mm, I love that. Such an interesting way of reframing this for people. I think that will be really powerful. So we teased it a little bit about how we go about fixing this, but let's dive in just a little bit further. So first line of defense for me with my clients, if they're having pelvic girdle pain, is always assessment by pelvic health physio. I feel like that is best route. And then often they might see a chiropractor or a massage therapist, someone who also can specialize in the pelvis or their swelling. But pelvic health physio, I think, is so key. And often people get good hope and good answers from that. Are you seeing a high percentage of your patients, they're coming to you because of pelvic girdle pain in pregnancy or postpartum? Yeah, yeah it's super, super common. Um 
And I even find now that more of the care providers know that we treat this and, and how we treat it. There's definitely been even a bigger influx in terms of which is great in terms of pregnant or postpartum people. Um, but yeah, I would say it's it's pretty common as a physio in general, but especially pelvic physio and focusing on uh, on women's health. So some tips we haven't mentioned, um, and again, this comes from Cecile Ross, this idea of what can we do during the day, daily habits that can actually change tension in these muscles that are likely contributing to your pain. So she'll talk about in terms of, as women were always told, cross your legs, keep your legs closed, but actually this is just, again, adding to tension in your adductors. So I'll tell clients, if you really want to cross your leg, and this is actually a good way to do it, is cross with your knee open, which I know can be hard to show on a, on a podcast, but basically you're crossing your ankle over one thigh and your knee of that same leg is quite open. So kind of a figure four stretch, if you know what that is for your glute, but in sitting. So I'll have clients do that while they're on the computer at work, while they're sitting at work. Um, and just by sitting like that or in a meeting, um, they're already lengthening their glutes and their inner thigh. So actually when they get up from sitting, things can actually feel better because they've lengthened in the first place. So rather than a closed cross, think of an open cross or just sitting with the knees open, which I know people will say is not very ladylike, but whatever. Having more of the knees open or I'll, I'll tell clients, you know, if you're sitting at home hanging out on the couch, yeah, sit with the knees open or sit cross-legged, but you know, like cross-legged when you're a kid on the floor. Um, so the knees are quite open again, that'll often be more comfortable, um, when they get up because again, it's more of a lengthened position versus a closed position. Um, and again, how we talked about turning in bed, it's hard to explain without a visual. So we'll just make sure to put it in the show notes, but it, it likely is different than what you've already tried. So it's not about keeping your legs together. It's actually keeping your knees open and using your glutes to actually support your pelvis and help propel you over while you rotate and I would say most of my clients it definitely feels way better cool those are great tips I especially love that you mentioned that about going from sitting to standing and what might be helpful because I feel like that complaint comes up a ton for people that I work with and then so general general considerations how we talked about release work so whether it's tennis ball um, if you see a massage therapist, having them work on your glutes and your adductors, potentially also your abdomen, if that's where you hold tension. Um, if you were to see a pelvic physio, they're really the only ones who are going to be able to find if your pelvic floor, if there's tension or how your pelvic floor is contributing. So whether your pelvic floor, including core canister, isn't coordinating well with movements like lifting your leg to put your socks on without seeing a pelvic physio, you may not really be getting that piece of the puzzle. And then also something you've heard Jess and I talk about a lot is ribs over pelvis. This idea of this posture, which definitely in pregnancy, I would say 10 out of 10 clients I see um, have don't have this posture. So basically the tucked under posture, so your ribs are sitting kind of behind your bum. A lot of women will say they lost their bum that it's totally flat or disappeared. And I'm like, well, no, it's actually there. You're just tucking it under so it appears that it's gone. Um, so I'll have them shift their ribs forward so that it's sitting over their pelvis. So their diaphragm and pelvic floor then work as a team. Um, and all of a sudden their, 
their glutes, their bump reappears that they're surprised. Uh, but learning to stand and walk in this posture actually also can help this pain because it allows their glutes to kick on again. When you stand or walk or, or move with your bump tucked under, your, your glutes don't get to do the work because they're there to extend your leg behind you. And when you're tucked under, it, they can't do that. So it's going to contribute to that waddle um, and also contribute to that pain. Can you just give us a quick synopsis about why having strong glutes is mm-hmm. important to our pelvic health function? So as one of one of um, the first pelvic physios kind of that I, I worked with, Um, She would always talk about the pelvic floor and the glutes are like best friends. So because of how the glutes attach into the pelvis, and then if you were to look at a pelvic model, you'll see where the the pelvic floor attaches in. They work as a team. They really need to work together. But sometimes what happens is, again, if, if only the focus is on the glutes and the pelvic floor and core is missed, then there can be issues just because that core canister is lacking. So I usually will get the core canister kicking on first. Um, We'll be adding the glutes in, but even with this simple change in your posture, you're going to get the glutes working as they should functionally, um, which can help with pain, movement, so many things, pregnancy, postpartum, or just for anyone in general. Um, But yeah, basically they work as a team. So for anything we've talked about in past episodes, incontinence, prolapse, diastasis you you need to have your glutes functioning well with your core they're just a big part of the team um but again it's a team they they all have to work together so we'll in terms of talking a little bit about some of the resources that i've mentioned throughout the episode um that'll be in the show notes uh something that is really great so for anyone who has access to a smartphone Um, Cecile actually created a free app called Rost Moves Mama and why I love it is it's basically it shows pictures so a model who's demonstrating certain movements but it basically goes through a ton of activities of daily living so grocery shopping turning in bed getting out of the car picking up your baby all these different movements that typically provoke pelvic girdle pain and then she shows little little changes that actually can make the pain a lot less or go away and it's just these little things that she's or little changes in movement that really again it often gets the glutes to kick on it gets the adductors to just kind of chill out um and gets the core to come on in a certain way so they're not drastic changes but you'd be surprised at certain things if you just do it a little bit differently all these little things can really add up throughout your day so i love that because it's got pictures really easy to follow a lot of daily activities that are pretty common with pain. Um, and then also her book um, in terms of for pelvic girdle pain, like I said, it's for pregnancy, but also postpartum. And it's great for if you're an expecting or new mom or if you're a fitness coach or a health professional, um, I highly recommend you can easily get it on Amazon. I want to say it's like 20 Canadian, like it's, it's pretty inexpensive. Um, but definitely well worth it. And then also, if you're a health professional, I can't recommend enough for a course. Um, it'll really change how you practice, um, just give you a lot of different tools and using techniques and strategies you probably already use. For example, acupuncture, 
or any strategies if you do manipulate or adjust all these different things and it's just kind of making you think a little bit differently how you might use them to help with public well-being i think the one of the biggest takeaways for me from this episode is this reminder to question how women or those who identify as women should sit or should stand or what we should do with our legs and how we should keep them together and not keep our legs wide oh that's such good stuff (laughs) so Mm -hmm. relevant to this it was actually a big discussion in our um in our course and it wasn't cecile who taught it um but Susanna, who's a physio on the west coast of canada taught it and it just brought all these kind of things that we're brought up with socially that um as women or those who identify as women that we're just it's just we're supposed to keep our legs closed and and all this and then also thinking about it for expecting moms like we're telling everyone keep your legs closed during movement but hey open your knees to give birth because all of a sudden you're not going to be afraid to do that right um, so that's also why I love all these techniques. Not only do they help with the pain in pregnancy, but they're really preparing and expecting mom to give birth. Because if you're going to give birth vaginally, whatever position you give birth in, your knees are going to be open because that's how the baby is going to come out. I like that. That was good that you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. how we should keep our bodies so thank you so much for listening today. We hope um, that you heard a lot of tips and perhaps new information, whether you're experiencing pelvic girdle pain or you work with those who experience it, things that you can already start doing today um, to lessen that pain and make pregnancy and postpartum a lot more comfortable. On the next episode, we will be covering hypopressives, also known as low pressure fitness with Canadian master trainer Trista Zinn. Hypopressives are an incredibly interesting tool and technique often used to improve core and pelvic floor dysfunction. We talk with Trista about why and when someone might investigate this practice and what the benefits can be. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 